Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello, everyone. We want to say thank you for joining us this week for This One Thing. I'm Crystal Wright, and I am here with the fabulous Melina Puente. Hey, Crystal. Hi, Melina. <laughs> and we're recording together this week. And the heart of this one thing is to really go to the Word of God and let God's Word speak to us so that we have truth that we're applying to our lives so that we can make choices that bring us closer to the heart of God and His plans for us. And I know last week when we recorded, the plan was that we would be, Carrie and I would be looking at Mark 6, 31, and we're just going to postpone that for one week. And Melina and I are going to look back at a, another story, a miracle that Jesus performs that's found in Mark chapter 5. And just a quick recap, we are in the beginning of the book of Mark. He is going through just really story after story of all these miracles that Jesus is performing that's demonstrating his power over every aspect of creation, whether it's um, the storm, whether it's um, someone's physical health, whether it's death, the demonic world, that Jesus is more powerful than all of those things. And so the story is another one of, of those stories of his. And I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he would tear the chains apart and break irons, the irons that were on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So Melina, this week we're going to look at that last verse I read, and I'll read it one more time. 
Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So we're going to focus in on that verse, but before we do that, I think it would be helpful to, when I think about the truth of this story, there's sort of a big picture truth to the narrative of what's happening that I think we have to look at before we can get to that really personal place of looking at the truth of, of Jesus's interaction with this man he healed. And that big picture truth is that Mark is really doing everything he can in the way that he's telling the stories to highlight the authority of Jesus. That's really, I think, the starting place before we can even apply this to our lives is the fact that Jesus is demonstrating once again, like he has in all these other stories of miracles that he performed, that he has the authority as the Messiah um, to silence demons, to cast them out, to to really redeem what is broken and what is lost. And what's interesting about this story in particular, the illustration that came to my mind is, I don't know if you remember Mad Libs, where yeah. you would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this story and how when you do Mad Libs, you basically just pick a bunch of random words and then you plug them into a story to create whatever the story is going to be. And if this story, this um, chapter was a Mad Lib. It would basically be that the only words that you could choose from would be a list of all the things that were absolutely reviled by by those that practice the Jewish law, because it's everything that was unclean to them. It had to yeah. do with tombs, pigs, Gentiles, unclean spirits. It was everything that, as they worshiped God that they were told to avoid, to not touch, so that they were not becoming unclean themselves as they went into the worship of God. And so here we have Jesus entering into the story with one thing after another that for a devout Jewish man, he would avoid. And Mm -hmm. I think the big truth of this whole story is the fact that Jesus not only enters into the story, but he's able to do that and doesn't become unclean himself because he's the Holy One of God, right? Holiness dwells within him. So he is not being tainted by everything that's unclean around him. So he's able to move into that and not only be present in it, but actually redeem it. And that's the big truth of this passage is Jesus alone can enter into the unclean, into the broken, and 100% have power over it and redeem it. So I think we have to get that truth in our minds first. And then that leads us into our verse of, you know, this man has experienced this incredible miracle and I'm just putting myself in his shoes for a moment. And I can just imagine him like he just wants to stick close to Jesus like glue. Like, I'm not leaving your side. Please take me with you. I want to be one of your disciples, one of your entourage. He's been set free in a way that he wants to hold on to that. And the truth of this verse is, you know, Jesus is saying, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to come travel with me. You get to go home and say what I've done because the work I've done in your life isn't isolated to this one point in time or it isn't dependent on the fact that you're following me with the rest of my disciples. It's this Mm -hmm. deep eternal work that Mm -hmm. he does. And it's Jesus is like, I'm sending you because the work I've done in you is going to continue even if you're not follow, following me literally yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. boat with me, walking around the hillsides with me. Yeah. Um, and so 
he's been made clean and he gets to carry that work of Jesus now back into his um, hometown and, and the people that he knows. So those were the two truths that, that stood out. Is there anything that really captured you as you read the story? I love the, the way Mark points out where Jesus's presence is. There's always something happening that is mm-hmm. transformative and redemptive. Um, just allowing people to recognize and build on that authority that you're talking about for them to recognize that in him. As I read this story, one of the things that came quickly to me was how this is a man who was tormented tremendously. Mm -hmm. And I can look at my life and think through a season of it where I had my eating disorder and I didn't know how to deal with it, how to cope with it. It was like something I just hid. And when I was introduced to Jesus, I still had that, but I, cause I didn't know what to do with it. Like it was still something that was there. And when someone asked, you know, have you asked Jesus to heal that for you? It really was uh, transforming in mm-hmm. the sense of it was a radical transformation in my life to completely heal that wound mm-hmm. completely out of me. And the ability to say I was one thing, but now I am another Mm -hmm. and this radical transformation. And I remember that was early on within the first three months of me receiving Jesus. And I just wanted to do everything I could to just devour the word of God and and be like, no more, just experience more of that uh, power and authority in my Mm -hmm. life. Like I want to surrender all of it to you. And as I matured in my walk with the Lord, I kept thinking, oh, I want to be, and then something that would be like work all the time for Jesus or a mm-hmm. full-time ministry kind of thing. And and I would love to do that. I don't want to say I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to be in a full-time ministry and serve the Lord in that capacity. But I realize even in that want or that desire, everywhere he has placed me is the door he's opened where I get to testify to the work he's done. I get to be a living example of the healing and the authority he has in my life to the people around me. I get to operate in a joy and a peace that I can bring into every space I have. Because like he was telling this man who wanted to follow him, you know, he's like, no, go out and Mm -hmm. tell what I've done. And there's just something about the power in our story to be able to testify to his grace that just allows people, whether you mention the name Jesus or not, our lives are still illuminating this love. And the verse for me that continues to come up is Acts 20, 24. Although I consider my life worth nothing to me, but only I would run the race and complete the task he's given me, the task to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is who I want to be. That's who I want to live my life like, is one who doesn't worry about where God is placing me or even the circumstances that are going on within my life or around my life, that I could still testify to his grace, even in the middle of that space. Mm-hmm. So if I had to pick a choice, sorry. Yeah, no, moving to choice. <laughs> that choice, <laughs> that choice really for me is that to testify, mm-hmm. to be able to testify to the, to the grace of God's love and grace in my life. And mm-hmm. it truly is transforming. I can relate to wanting to cling to him and want to stay right there with them all day long and and not really go to work, so to speak. (laughs) But there's something about giving away what I've been given. And I I think that choice to testify and to live a life that demonstrates his grace is really powerful too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and just the people that needed to see this. I mean, we get this picture of this man at the beginning of the story, right? That's just, it's really horrific. Like if you visualize how this man was living in and out of tombs, they could hear him screaming at night. He would cut himself. I mean, it sounds like at some points in time, people had tried to contain him, bind him up with chains and he would rip those apart. I mean, we get that picture at the beginning and at the end, he's sitting there and he's at peace and he's in his right mind and he's being able to retell this miracle. And it's like everyone that had seen him that other way needed to see that God's work that had happened in his life, like how it had transformed him and not just for one day, this man is now going to live out this whole Mm. new life set free. And so the people around him wouldn't have that opportunity to really see that firsthand had he just jumped on the boat with the rest of the disciples and, you know, joined the traveling crew of (laughs) followers of Jesus. And so, yeah. I think for me, that challenges me when I look at how to apply that to my life. The choice is if I go back to that first truth, which is the fact that Jesus has authority over everything, he has authority over everything. So he also has the complete authority to say where I should be, what I should be doing. And I I get to then choose whether or not to trust him Mm -hmm. and to surrender or am I going to say, but no, God, I know you want me to be this. You want me, you want me in ministry. You want me being a mom. You, you want me, you know, whatever it is that we come up in our minds that we think is what God should want us to do with our lives. We all have to choose. No, what I get to choose is whether or not I trust him and his authority so that when he says, no, I'm, you don't get to do this right now. You you go and do this. This is my plan for you that that we really are able to trust him and to surrender that that to him. And that's not always easy because life isn't easy. And so sometimes I think we think if we just change our circumstances or the things going on around us, it's going to feel we're going to be happier, we're going to be more fulfilled, we're going to feel like we're really in the middle of, you know, Jesus's work or what living our best life or whatever yeah. <laughs> version of that we think that is, but it's that's it doesn't matter wherever our circumstances are we're gonna Mm. wrestle with the fact that not everything goes our way but jesus is faithful and he has done a work in our lives and i think the disciples could probably testify to the fact that they did get to stick right by jesus the whole time and it it was still challenging and they still didn't get it and they still struggled to to really understand and to be a part of his work so yeah i think a piece of that too crystal is we carry that presence with us now. So mm-hmm. in that choice, realizing we get to be that Jesus for people so that they can um, recognize and see, like, if they hung around us, I mean, my heart is that they would experience mm-hmm. the love of Jesus. Yeah. And I think for us, knowing wherever we go, we get to take him with us mm-hmm. and choosing that joy in that space, in that time. And like you said, in that experience, in that circumstance, whatever it looks like. Yeah. We still have that the power of the Holy Spirit in us that brings the presence of Jesus wherever we get to go. And I would just challenge any of you listeners that you would look for those places. Maybe it's not as radical as this man's story, but that you would look for those places mm. where you truly experience the salvation, the freedom, like mercy is what this verse says, mm-hmm. how God has had mercy on you, what God has done for you. To be really bold, be so generous in 
how much you choose to talk about that and to tell other people. And that's, I know what I wanted to do as well. And it's easy to talk about a lot of things. It's easy to even talk about, sometimes it's easier to talk about our complaints even more than it is easy to talk about what this holds us back from sharing all that God has done for us, how he's had mercy on us. And he has, I can think of the last two weeks of my life and like, man, God had mercy on me this week. And how incredible is that? And how can my speech continue to reflect more of that? And to be in community so that you can. I mean, that's the beautiful part, too. It's like how we all can sharpen one another if we're consistently sharing the power of God's work in our lives and what he's done for us or the mercy he's shown or the grace we've experienced. It continues to just build our faith and strengthen our community. Helena, would you be willing to close us out in prayer and give thanks to God for all he has done for us? I would love to. I'm going to read Colossians 9 through 14 for us as our prayer. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.